Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Hey Cake Eater podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Kevin Miller, and today I got with me my three friends. Start down the line, whoever wants to go. Everyone jump in for going first. <laughs> I guess We're I'll go first. We're a great start, guys. Like yes. hesitation. <laughs> yeah, you can't hesitate, especially in hockey. Oh, I'm Fred. Uh, I am the second Rangers fan of the podcast. And uh, Kevin, what's your team you're going with? You're going with Rangers and yeah, kind I'm of going with the Preds? <laughs> exactly. I'm going with the Rangers. If you guys could have seen me on the camera, I got my Kreider shirt on, and then my uh, water cup is a Predators cup, so... You could see where my loyalty lies. I wear the Rangers, but I'll hold on to something Predators as well. <laughs> Very noble of you. <laughs> and then we got the two uh, <clears throat> losers over there as well that haven't uh, introduced themselves. So who we got here? The two awesome Devil fans. I'm Mike. <laughs> I'm rocking the Putty shirt. I don't know if you can see. Remember Putty? I love it. I have the hoodie. Putty. Right Violent Gentlemen. Everyone go to Violent Gentlemen. They're awesome. And uh, my name is Brian Cowing. I'm the second Devils fan here. Um, sporting the Nico Heischer jersey. I'm not sure if you can see the back plate. I'll show the back plate probably later so I don't throw out my back, but uh, pleasure to be here. <laughs> pleasure. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to go on the record right, right away to all of our listeners and let you guys know we are experts at hockey and uh, we know everything there is. That's a joke. Um, this is all going to be opinion-based, obviously, and we're going to be talking a lot, all things hockey on this uh, podcast and starting today. We're kind of going from the Stanley Cup to the renewed rivalry that we feel is coming our way at, over at the uh, river there. You know, the Pebble and Madison Square Garden is going to be renewed, so we're going to dive into that as well. Um but we're going to start off right away with the playoffs, I guess. And I guess we could jump right to the Stanley Cup, but I myself kind of want to dive right into it with uh, the Predators, at least, since I got to experience my first ever playoff hockey game. Um, the atmosphere, I don't know if any of you guys ever been to a game during the playoffs, but that within itself, we could talk about the atmosphere itself of the playoff game and how much more intense it seems to be. Do you guys get that feeling whenever you walk into arena for playoffs? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. It's like amplified by like 100. I went to uh, game four last season against Tampa at the Rock. So we had uh, – we, we felt that – I think it was probably – I mean, just from just from personal experience in the past, um, probably close to twice the volume throughout all the fans. Everybody was hyped up going into it. We had – Fortunately, we didn't end up winning that game, but the atmosphere was incredible. Yeah, I was at Game 3 last year of that round, and that game was probably the best Devils crowd that I've ever been a part of in the playoffs. Even going back to the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals against the Rangers, where normally yep. it's predominantly yep. Ranger fans, yep. it was, I would say, 90-10 Devil fans that year. I can't believe I missed out on going to that series. Um, Amazing. But it ended up, ended up having a nice little ending. Um, Henry, if, right? Some guy, if, Henry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if Kevin remembers it, but it was a great time. Yeah, I, I, I mean, speaking of what I remember, <laughs> I did go to a um, Devils Rangers uh, playoff game at the Pebble, and um, I'm pretty sure uh, Marty Brodeur shat his pants when Avery was standing there in front of the net, and uh, I think we took it in five. So yeah, I do remember some playoff listen, series in that building. That's listen, for sure. 
Listen, that, I'd be scared of Sean Avery too, especially if I'm on the sidewalk. <laughs> oh, especially, especially nowadays, man, when you see him on his social media accounts and how aggressive he especially is with Islander fans. <laughs> that was one of my favorite videos to see. Fred, have you been to a playoff game? I'm assuming yes. I've been I've been to only one single playoff game, and it ripped my heart out, and I'm so afraid to go back again. Getting to the city from Jersey is so difficult, and it takes so long, and Ranger playoff tickets are so expensive. Yep. To go there and then watch them get their heads kicked in is one of the worst experiences outside of funerals that I've ever experienced in my life. So I have avoided playoff games as much as possible ever uh, since then. <laughs> uh, I, I feel that. The playoff game I did go to this year with the Predators, uh, they did lose game one against the Stars, but um, not being a diehard fan of the Predators, I've adopted them a little bit. A little bit, I guess it could be like my bastard child or something like that. But um, the atmosphere itself was amazing. That that city itself too in hockey, and whether it's playoff hockey or not, it's always friggin' loud in there. It always seems like they're close to a sellout crowd because. Other than that, they only really have the Tennessee Titans, and I don't think that's much to really piggyback yourself on, you know, as a professional sports fan. Yeah, you and and I butted heads on that series because um, if Zuccarello and the Stars made it to the conference finals, Rangers got a first-round pick. Yeah, and that motherfucker was the only one scoring. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was laughing when you were at the game. I'm just sending you Zook over and over Uh, again. (laughs) In all honesty, I didn't know until the next day that he scored. I had a little bit too much to drink that night. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's right. I remember that night very well. Yeah, you were definitely Uh, hammered. (laughs) I was, and I also do uh, remember, and this was a proud moment, and this is the only time that we bring up the Islanders or the Flyers here. There was a guy walking up to the next to last row in the section next to me. Rocking a freaking flyer shirt at a Predator Stars playoff game. And I was God. like, oh, this guy's ballsy, you know? So I stood up, everybody else is sitting down, and I continuously chanted, Flyer suck at the top of my lungs until the guy put on a yellow shirt. He put a <laughs> yellow shirt on over his flyer shirt. And then I stopped. I sat right down. Well, that's actually so. a good side topic for, uh, um, a bunch of hockey fans. How do you guys feel about that? Because I have the people who are like, I'm just here to celebrate hockey. So they wear whatever jersey they feel like, even though the team's not playing. And then I know you guys experience this all the time, that one asshole that wears a Rangers jersey to every yes. Devils game. There's always that one. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, from a Rangers fan perspective, we don't even like that guy. Nobody likes that guy. <laughs> that guy's always <laughs> trying to pick a fight. It's yeah. only, you can always spot that one guy out because he's kind of walking up and down the aisles every you know 10 minutes or so, kind of just screaming around everybody who's around him, and he always kind of has a set of like arm tattoos. This dude's always ready to fight. Yep. And that's, this is a, there's always, there's always that one kind of fan. doesn't mean you want to fight, though. It's, right. like the, it's like the soccer hooligan of hockey. <laughs> yeah, the jersey's more of a giveaway of wanting to start something. But yeah, it, it's, it annoys the heck out of me when I see something like that, especially when it's a rival team, and you know you're just trying to be an asshole. Like, if you want to wear a Chiefs jersey, or you want to wear Doug Glatt's jersey to a hockey game to have a jersey on, but you don't like either team, go for it. But to put on a rival team's jersey, it just looks silly. So I'm with you, Kevin, on yelling at that guy with a Flyers jersey on. Well, you kind of see where my stance is on that topic itself by going to these Predators games, and I have Predators gear now, you know? Even my friend showed up to the game with me, and he wore an Ovechkin jersey 
I didn't Ooh. chant at him because he was a friend. And he even turned to his girlfriend. He's like, man, I'm glad I'm friends with him because he knew he would have heard it from me if he wasn't my friend. But like, I show up and he asks me, where's my Rangers gear? I'm like, well, the Predators are in the playoffs. They're playing tonight. And that's why I'm wearing yellow. <laughs> like, I don't even need to, didn't even need to own Predators gear for my first game. I went in yellow. So I knew I would be with the crowd, you know. But I do understand going to hockey games and just kind of appreciating hockey, and that's why I kind of got into the Predators itself. I mean, when you you mentioned yourself, Fred, tickets are so uh, heavily priced for playoff games for the Rangers, and especially when the Rangers do get into Prudential Center, those prices uh, increase as well. But um, it's dirt cheap out here. $10 tickets sometimes during the regular season, you know, so to appreciate if you're lover of hockey it's easy to go and just appreciate it yeah that's awesome and to kind of give a scale my buddy when they played the kings in the finals flew out to um la bought a ticket to a game he got to stay with his at his brother's place so he'd have to pay for a hotel but the flight and ticket was cheaper than going to a game at the garden with the train ticket and it's just obnoxious <laughs> so again you sell your kidney to get into the building to watch them lose. I'll take the couch every time. <laughs> <laughs> but so we moved on from the first round because the Predators didn't make it to that. We could fast forward to the final round. For me, it was a little eh to say I wanted the Blues to win, even though I did, because technically, if I'm going to adopt the Predators, they're in the same division. You don't want to see them win the Stanley Cup, but I have to tell you, watching Marshawn lose was one of the greatest things. Oh my god, his facial reaction at the end of the game was fantastic when he was crying. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best shot of the whole series. No, I I do have to say though, I did think they were going to win at the Bruins. When they forced Game 7, I was very surprised that the Blues were able to pull it off in Boston. Especially they had that Go for it, sorry. No, no, I, I was going to say, especially with the type of pressure that Boston was putting on them early in the game, in Game 7, um, just getting into their offensive zone, getting shots in on Biddington. Um, but the, I, I really liked the way that the Blues were able to counterattack and get a lot of odd man rushes out of it. And um, the whole goal where Marchand was trying to take a line change when, oh, yeah. they, when they were about to cross <laughs> into the zone and he kind of double steps, like maybe second guessed himself or something. I'm, I still am under the belief that that may have cost them winning a Stanley Cup. Uh, I, I think, think it definitely did. And he definitely I think that, just time traveled back to his rookie season <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> it's just, it just snowballed after that. Once they gave up that goal, like they just didn't feel like they were going to have a chance to get enough scoring chances to, to really get a chance to get close to tying the game. But I was rooting for the Blues all the way, man. I mean, anything Boston sports, I'm going to be rooting against 10 times out of 10. No offense to your Celtics, my man. <laughs> well, the Celtics, uh, I mean, back in the day, were the Patriots of basketball, you know. But at this point, everybody hates Boston because of the Patriots. And slowly now, the Red Sox becoming a little dominant. Sorry, yeah. Mike. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's unfortunate time right now where Boston's dominating all of our New York sports. It's seriously, it's kind of crazy, it's, it's but it's, it's coming, it's, it's coming to going to come to its demise, at least in football. I don't know about, uh, anything else. Uh, New York basketball is not looking good. Baseball, they're always going to compete. It's going to be one or the other. 
I don't think the Red Sox are really dominant, but in the last few years, they could stand as the better team right now. They were us like 20 years ago. Exactly. Back when we but, were winning um, Stanley Cups and World Series and Super Bowls. But you, you mentioned Brian um, Bennington. That dude stood on his head. Oh, uh, yeah. A, there the was game one of his save life, I think I tweeted about with uh, his his right pad, I think it was, where he just slid across. Yes. Right, right there. I was just like, nothing is getting past this guy. You have to yep. be kidding me. Like, yep, just right second get off the ice. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a way for him to come back and really perform after having a few uh, rough games towards the yeah. middle of the series. And as a rookie, really that has to be, as a rookie, that's got to be, you know, really feel really accomplishing to go out win the Stanley Cup your first year, but I'm I'm hoping for his sake and his career it, that isn't the plateau. I'm hoping he could still keep pushing, put stats together because sometimes you do see these rookies come in and then they get figured out the next year. Their weaknesses, tendencies, and it's all downhill from there. Yeah, I was a I'm a big fan of uh, Bennington when it started. Uh, that whole "do I look nervous?" kind of question made me like his swagger and everything like that. But once he started taking chops at the legs of other goalies, I was like, "Wait a minute! <laughs> you're supposed to be the calm, cool, collective guy. Now you're just hacking at the legs of other people. What happened? <laughs> now you're just an asshole." So I was very torn for the finals because I loved the guy in the beginning, and then I hated the guy. And also, the Blues had a few. Pretty dirty plays going up into the finals, which is ironic because you would think the Bruins would be the ones guilty of that. But still, nothing was better than watching Marshawn cry, and especially at Game 7 to watch your veteran presence double-step a line change and arguably completely screw up the entire game. Yep. That, that is a very good point that it could definitely have killed their spirits there, watching their leader just completely fucking screw the pooch. <laughs> I mean, the best thing I saw, and I commend the person who ever made it, was the Dorito bag of Nacho Year and having Marchand on there. That was the greatest, greatest <laughs> thing oh, I saw. Oh, man, I missed that one. <laughs> it literally is just him, like, with his head down, standing there, and this Nacho Year next to it on the Doritos bag. <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever seen. Did you post that on our uh, Twitter, Facebook, and everything? Um, in all honesty, I haven't posted anything to the Twitter other than retweets or to the Instagram, but I will go on the record and say I have that saved in my phone and also a picture of Marshawn crying on my phone, thinking about those are going to be one of our first two posts on Instagram for sure. <laughs> yeah, you should put it on there today. Hashtag throwback Thursday <laughs> to a few weeks yeah. ago. <laughs> I will do that and I'll be like, wait until next week when this when you guys are listening now, when this airs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. But, but yeah, it was a crazy finals. I mean, the, you know, it's hard to gloss over this too, that all four wildcard teams made it through the first round. Both number one seeds in the West and the East both lost in the first round. I mean, Tampa decidedly, that was embarrassing. Okay. Um, Very embarrassing. Yeah. And as a Rangers fan, that kind of hurt because the further they went too, we would have been a little bit better off with a draft pick from them, I believe, right? If they won. So it was kind of like the best case scenario outside of them winning because that gave them one of the lowest picks possible, or I should say, you know, closer, closer to one possible, but in the second round, because best case case scenario was they won. We get pick number 31 in the first round and 
I mean, if they made it to the finals and lost, that would have really sucked because they would have gotten pick 60 in the second round, or 61 in the second round, I should say. So we ended up with like a 58, 57 or something like that. And, I mean, just one more point on the playoffs. I mean, they haven't come up yet. I was thoroughly impressed with the Hurricanes up until the conference finals. I couldn't believe that they went in and did what they did to the Capitals. Yeah, you know what? That's a good uh, topic, too, especially with the Marlowe thing that just happened. What are you guys' opinions on the storm surge? That oh, I was actually, it. that that trade that I saw with Marlowe that you're bringing up, I was like, what the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they just got, like, what's going on with the Maple Leafs? I feel like well, they got no Well, they're hard-pressed with the cap, too. Yes. Yeah, they're shut in salary. I mean, Mitchell Marner's a restricted free agent, so a lot of teams are going to be throwing uh, restricted offers at him now. Like teams like New Jersey, who has the cap space to avoid to absorb it. Yeah, it's just the picks that are probable in our yes. The amount of picks yeah. you have to compensate for a signing like that—that's what makes it almost impossible. It's one of those things where an RFA offer sheet sounds awesome, and just the drama that comes with that is pretty cool to watch. But a team's got to commit so many draft picks for one player, yes, and to put their whole stock into that guy. I mean, we're talking about Mitch Marner, who was playing behind Tavares and Matthews as the first mark on these defensive teams. He's probably going against third period, but guys, if you're going to throw that many picks at him, you better be on your first line. And I don't know if he's been tested out of first line minutes without another big name on that same line to put up points like that. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with them because even them with the RFA status, I don't think they can fit him in the cap either. I don't think so either because looking, um, I found a tweet for the offer sheet compensation for 2019-2020 and for any salary range over 10.5 around yeah around 10.5 mil let's say the devils were to want to offer sheet Mitch Marner we'd have to give up four first round picks oh. to Toronto to do that yeah, now crazy. new jersey new jersey's not in a situation at this point where they can really you know afford to give away four first round picks you have to think about all of that talent that you build around your team doing that those I mean, are all those are all potential starters yeah that's a lot to give up and you got to think about Especially it. For, any, are there any teams out there that are in position to give up four first rounders? I don't this think guy? so. I don't Not think so. The Boston yeah. Celtics. <laughs> the Boston Celtics. <laughs> Danny Ainge has all those draft picks. I was going to say, yeah, if, if hockey teams had a starting roster of like 10, or I should say a, a lineup of 10, then maybe. <laughs> but when exactly. you're dressing 20 guys a night, you need those picks. Not to no, seriously. I was going to say, you guys need to hold on to those picks because it's just going to help fill out that roster the rest of the way more than having one player come up on the first line, you know, when it comes down to any team, especially trying to get deep into the playoffs, it's a matter of depth and having people that could still grind and knock people off their feet and wear them down. Even if your third lines out there, you know, you you can't be at the end of the year, hoping that your first two lines are really what's going to make you go all the way. Yep. But uh, back to the storm surge, I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. I thought it was stupid. And I think this Marlowe thing kind of proves it's kind of annoying. You get a veteran presence, a guy that would have been great for maybe a playoff run for them because they did prove a lot of people wrong that they could make it, and they've only gotten better since. And he was like, nah, just buy me out. I'll go to the UFA. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say, I think the problem is, and I saw a really great tweet by it by uh, Sean McIndoe, which I completely agreed. I, I was saying this for a while, is that it's fun, sure. I mean, I don't have anything against them really doing it. But as far as building a team, it's hard for, let's say, a rookie to be in that room 
and be part of a conversation. So, yeah, we're going to play Duck, Duck, Goose if we win this game and be like, yeah, this team's going in the right direction. This is where I want to be. <laughs> it's like that kind of thought and mindset that goes to the locker room that maybe it's not going to fit for guys like Marlowe, who's a class act, who just gets traded there and says, I'd rather test the UFA market than stay here no matter how much you want me because they did try to sign him too. Yeah, I think all along the way, uh, the way that Toronto was doing that trade, the sign and trade, or not even a sign and trade, but as a trade as a salary dump, and then to buy him out. Because I think from some of the conversation I see on Twitter, Marlo would really only want to sign a one-year deal with San Jose at this point, more than likely for a low-level contract, just because San Jose, of course, is also strapped up against the cap which I'll also kind of dive back into a little later because they have a few restricted free agents who could also be options for any teams like the Devils, Islanders, even possibly the Rangers too. Now, when when somebody like Marlowe is looking for that one-year deal, which is clearly with uh, the team and franchise he came up with, would that not worry you? I mean, obviously the Sharks would do it if it's a low inch, like a low salary, but... Would that say to you guys, this guy's getting ready to retire? Yeah, plus he's what? He's going to be 40 years old by the time the season starts? Or he is 40 at the moment? Like That would tell me he's looking to play his last season. You think he would be a fourth-line player at that point, going back to the Sharks? I would think that they'd have him on a minutes restriction at this point. Probably having him on the grinder line, playing on the fourth, kind of just kind of going that route. I can't see him go any higher than the third line. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what he, what did he play in Toronto because I don't think he was a top two line guy. He's a center, right? Yeah, I think they might have moved him to wing at one point. Yeah, I they could probably be dead wrong. Because again, I mean, I think Matthews was hurt most of the season, but Tavares was top line center, um, and I'm pretty sure Marner's a center too. So I don't think Marlowe was playing, you know, top minutes there anyway. But uh, since Marner came up again, it kind of wanted me to segue into a point, Fred, that you made of how he hasn't had that first-line testing. And that made me think, because we were talking about this prior to the show, you know, I think I said it to you, Brian, after the trade. Yes, I think you guys got a hell of a steal getting P.K. Subban for uh, your back line and everything. Yes. But yes. he also had, my point to Brian was he had 31, 32 points, whatever it was. I know he was out for 18 games this past year. But to put up those points, averaging 22 minutes, and then having the likes of Yossi, Ekholm, and Ellis, you know, I said to Brian, I'm really interested in seeing what I know he's proven himself like he was in, on the Canadians, but now he's older. What's he going to be like with the defense that's going to be around him in New Jersey? Because he doesn't have another three defenders that could be on a top defensive line on any other team. I think with New Jersey, though, he's got some young defensemen coming up, especially Ty Smith, the kid they drafted last year. So he's one of the guys to look out for. But with the Subban trade, they're going to allocate his salary. What do you guys think? It's Matt Duchesne? Yeah, yeah, they they met with him today, so I think that's what's that going to wind up happening because they really need a center for their power play. I think the best thing overall about the trade in Ray Shiro's regard, and I have to give credit to him for this, is yes, we gave up two second-round picks to acquire P.K. Subban, where it was our first pick in the second round this season, 
and a second round pick next year. But the two players that he gave up in that trade, one of them is trash. Well, it's, well, well, well uh, they weren't roster players on yeah. our NHL team. Yeah. Steve, San- Steve Santini, of course, as um, as Mike and I both know that, that he just didn't really pan out that well in New Jersey. No, Sam, he'll be cut J- too. Uh, is my prediction on him? He'll be cut. Jeremy Davies is more of the better prospect that's going to be going to Nashville to help fill out their defense. Although, like like you mentioned with PK Subban being on such a like one of the best defenses in the NHL with the core players that they have here, I'm also intrigued to see how he incorporates himself onto the Devils roster. Hopefully. I mean, I mean, I would love for Ty Smith to play on the top line with him, man. Me too. I don't know if I don't know if I would really put that on him so far this season. I would be pleasantly surprised. I think at this point he'd probably be paired up with somebody like Will Butcher. Um, probably have Andy Green or somebody on the line below that. It's going to be interesting to see how they shake up their defense at this point. Like where are they going to uh, put Botten in? Probably on the second line at this point with Subban coming here now, both being right-handed shooters. Which is That's his natural that. spot. He's traditionally a number two defenseman. He's not your top yep. guy. He'll Absolutely. play big minutes, but he's not a number one defenseman. I love Vaden as a number two. Me too. Behind Subban. And That's then you a, can slot great. Severson three. Yep. And then so Severson, there's more depth. Severson, and Severson is coming on the rise as well. And I'm starting to see him as taking over Vaden's spot after the season, knowing that Vaden is going to be an unrestricted free agent at, at the end of the season. I don't believe Shiro is going to bring him back. Um, given his age and probably the contract he's going to be looking for. But that'll probably be something to watch for after the season to see how well he plays, see um, where the organization stands on keeping him or letting him go for the future. My only thing is to tell you guys to watch different plays when Subban's behind the uh, net. That's one thing I noticed being at a few of the Predators games this year is he does a lot of no look passing from behind his own net without even looking to see if the yep. other team is anywhere in between. So there might be a lot of careless turnovers. And I think that's the thing he's got to work on the most. Cause uh, he got me to, to the point where I was saying he's the best bad player out there. You know, yeah, he's always he's been such a, a good risk. player. He's such a good player and there's such good highs with him. But when you especially against in the Dallas series, like, their whole their whole entire defense was pretty much unexistent, especially in that one game in Dallas. I think it was the first home game where Dallas scored like four goals in the first period. You know, it was all boneheaded plays. But the trade to me was a no brainer. Like you said, we're going to hopefully flip it for Matt Duchesne, and then once they had that kid Fabro come in during the playoffs, and he looked like he was going to be able to hold his own. You already have your top two defensive lines right there. So it was to me. It was a no-brainer to do that. I think a win-win for both squads. But that being said, I would like to argue the fact that I think the Rangers pulled off a better trade. If you put that whole Winnipeg trade together, well, let's just. I was going to say, let's just start off with this. Jacob Truba is an overall better defensive player, better better overall player than PK Subban. You think so? I don't know. I think Subban's got the edge, but I think Trub is definitely one of the best young defensemen. Sure. I think that's right there, that key word, young, I think is what puts him over the hump. Yeah, because he's going to be 26 when the season starts. So that's that's a key because Subban's 30. He just turned 30. But I don't think he's got bad hockey in front of him still, Subban. I still think he has 
a couple good years left, but Trubisky sure. will be six. I think he's that got helps. a solid, solid four years. So I think yeah. you know, the first three would be good years, and then the fourth one would be his mediocre, where you're like, all right, this guy's slowing down. And that's perfect for the Devils, because in those three, when his three years are up, Jack Hughes will be up for his rookie. His contract extension will be ready. So it kind of plays out perfectly yeah. if you're the Devils. But from yeah. the Rangers' perspective, I, I was reading, I don't know where I was reading it, um, Kevin Shattenkirk's name came up about a possible buyout now. No, oh, yeah, I saw I saw that too. Possible buying out uh, Shattenkirk, possibly buying out uh, Mark Stahl, which I've been wanting for years. I don't know about you, Fred, but uh, Mark Mark Stahl is right up there with Mike Roosevelt for me, or Wade yeah. or Wade Redden. That's another one. God. The the tough part about the buyouts now is that you're stuck with salary forever once it happens, and we're still dealing with Girardi's buyout. We're still paying him. Um, And the problem with Shattenkirk's buyout is that this year we save a ton of money, which would be great if we thought we were going to make a run this year. But next year, we pay about 90% of his cap hit that we're paying for right now anyway. So if we're in year two and we're like, okay, we're ready to make a run, that's going to be the biggest hit for that cap. I think that what they're going to end up going to do is just keep everybody. I think this is Stahl's last year. Um, they got Shattenkirk for a couple more years, and uh, maybe he shows something better. We can get him on a trade for a second or third round pick for a rental at the end of the season. But they're not making a run this year yet, so I'd be really focused on my salary cap next year. And if we buy him out this year, I have to pay him $6 million for nobody next season. I don't think it's the right move. And the Stahl's kind of the same idea. And also Brendan Smith. Is another problem for a buyout too in that in that case, but I mean we still have to sign Truba. That's the thing. I mean this trade is going to suck if we don't sign him. Yes. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's an RFA. We're going to definitely get him for one year through arbitration. But you know, a pissed off Truba that we didn't get a contract done for him would be kind of silly. And I'm a little disappointed that we don't have anything done for him yet. Why do we trade for him, knowing that nobody could talk to his agent, and that we couldn't even negotiate a contract with him to get an idea of what numbers he's looking for? Uh, there's you know, all that information about him wanting to leave Winnipeg, so that's great to see that you know it had nothing to do with a contract negotiation or a price he's looking for. But it's just a little concerning to me that we traded those pieces, and now we're a week after the trade, we can sign him as an RFA, and we still haven't signed him. He's probably, probably going to command about 10 to $11 mil a year, so I, I think it'll get done quick, though. You think that Truba's going to demand 10 to 11 a year? Yeah, no, I, I really crazy. see that. No, 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 no. It's it wouldn't be, shock me. No, it's going to be between seven and eight tops. It's not, there's so? no way he's going double digits. Positive of that. Yeah. You can quote me on that. The Rangers what are not was it, What's he getting paid million. now? Do you know? Uh, I don't know what it is now, but he's on his... I'm pretty sure he was on his um, the first contract after his entry level. So that's the RFA status. You kind of screwed as a player in that contract state because you don't have any leverage. You're going to be stuck yeah, with the Jets no matter what unless you demand a trade, which he did but they never moved them until now. Uh, only thing that I like about the trade is the fact that if you put the trades together, Brendan Lemieux I do like, but then also just the fact that Hayes was pretty much a month rental in that trade, and that's what they got in return. And to see Hayes grossly, grossly overpaid on that new contract with the Flyers, Yep. I'm happy he's gone because if the Rangers wasted that money, I would be pissed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we have a second line center problem right now, but uh, I don't think Hayes was the solution to it anyway. Well, I was going to say there was a problem when he was on the <laughs> roster too. Yeah. <laughs> well, centers have always been an issue, which is why they drafted both uh, Anderson and Heedle 
in the first round uh, two years ago now. Um, so they're hoping that they're going to end up being the one-two-three punch with Zabanajad because he lit it up last year. Yeah, Zabanajad was a great acquisition for sure. And if uh, Anderson and he'll um, pan out into anything, um, I would say Anderson is better on NHL 19 right now for me, scoring some goals. But that has nothing to do with real life. But I'm hoping that actually turns out that way. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it does not translate. But the, the most, did you uh, get to see how much he's getting paid, Brian? Yes. I think you said you were looking up. Yep. Uh, so I was going to say to you guys uh, – uh, Truba's 2018-2019 cap hit was $5.5 million. So he's, a res- so he's a restricted free agent right now with the Rangers. They hold his rights, so they have like the first contract negotiations they can uh, do. But I'm also on Fred's side here is I'm a little perplexed on why they haven't agreed to a contract extension yet. I, would, I mean, I would believe that they're in the talks at the moment. He was he wanted to be traded to uh, the New York Rangers at this point because of his wife's residency. I believe she's going to be working for a hospital. Yeah, she's a nurse. Yes, mm-hmm. so that was a large factor of him wanting to come to New York anyway. So I think their chances of resigning him are good. It's just going to be interesting what they're going to pay him for the ten to eleven million dollar range. I just don't see a team like the Rangers or really most teams spending like center. That's like mostly center money, you know, Betchkin money. <laughs> Uh, to pay Jacob Truba, I would probably well, yeah, say that If he same gets range. over 10, we're pretty much doubling his salary, and I can't see that happening for almost any player at this point. You know, I think it most probably, he'd probably go up to nine tops. Yeah, because Carlson just got 11 and a half a year. You know, what a waste of a contract that was. For eight that years. Was, for eight that, years. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. That was, that was the second worst contract in the NHL. I told Oof. you that, Brian. You know yes. who the first one was. Mike, you should know too. So who was it? Who is it? Chuck. Oh no! Don't don't oh. bring that don't bring that name up. <laughs> Come on, Do man. not bring that the name, name that should ever. not be named. <laughs> Number seventeen. That's all he's referred to. Number seventeen with uh, that guy. Yeah, fuck it. Seventeen for the was that the amount of millions we wasted? Oh my god! <laughs> One of the favorite things, my favorite things that a Devils fan has ever said to me was, uh, he was upset because Clarkson went to Toronto because I, he wanted to go back home. Parisi went to Minnesota because he wanted to go back home. Kovalchuk went back to Russia because he wanted to go back home. And he goes, can we just sign people that don't have homes? (laughs) (laughs) That would make things so much easier. Sign them all off the street. Yeah, start start, uh, scouting at Brick High School. (laughs) (laughs) See what you pick up there. They're already home. Get Sean Razumovich back in there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Best hockey name ever. See, that's that's a small thing, too. So, uh, Fred, Mike went to grammar school with Sean and I. Oh, okay. Yep. So I went we to got a connection. Sean. Fred went to high school with Sean. <laughs> St. Ambrose, baby. Oh, yeah. But um, back to the rivalry, at least, I think we could get into that since we already talked about the two teams that we are fans of having the trade. I think the most encouraging thing I heard during the whole entire draft had nothing to do with the two players we picked. It was the comparison. Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin is exactly what we were getting is what they were saying. And the fact that the two teams have those two players, if that's what it's going to turn into later in the year, man, I think the next 10 years are going to be fun. Yeah, that's definitely a rivalry aspect of it, but the talent is just not there. And I hope no one thinks that 
this no, was a Crosby Ovechkin draft. This is not even no, close no. to that. They're both going to be very good players, but they're not generational talents like that. Um, but yeah, the rivalry is going to be interesting between the two of them. Uh, but again, they're kind of mid-level talents. They might be franchise players, but these are guys that could potentially get traded down the road. And then three years from now, we find out one of them got traded <laughs> and doesn't even matter anymore. You know, Kako is a bust and he goes back to Finland. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? But at least for the beginning now, it's going to be a really fun rivalry to watch the comparisons back and forth. But what's great about the Rangers being second is we can't screw up. You know, if you guys pick the wrong guy, you pick the wrong guy, and that's your screw-up. But if you pick the right guy, well, we couldn't have picked the right guy anyway, so <laughs> nothing we could have done about it regardless. We had a win-win. Yeah, it really exactly. was. It was probably love, the easiest pick you'll ever make in their career, in their franchise I the, history. I love the blameless mentality that they're taking on for it. It's just, hey, man, if, if it works out for both of us, great. If you got if Jack Hughes sucks, well, pff, good job drafting a bus, dude. <laughs> the same old devils, I guess. Exactly. We have a caca, but I, I think in my opinion, I think they're both going to be very good players, hopefully yeah. potentially being franchise players with Hughes playing center, Kako playing right wing. They're just two two very different styles of players. And I think they would have benefited both teams, whether Kako ended up going to Jersey and Hughes to New York and vice versa. So I think it's, it's definitely a talent boost to both teams. It's definitely going to add some excitement back to the East Coast hockey scene where we would we were feeling the past few years that the Devils-Rangers rivalry just hasn't been the same because of the talent level of both teams and where especially us last season were in the standings. <laughs> So it's been it brought a lot of excitement back to the area. It's been nice. Yeah, and oh, yeah. I would like to, that. Oh, oh my on. bad. Go, go. No, I already said go. Oh, my bad. I think Hughes though fills a void for the Devils that the Rangers are sort of struggling right now, and that's that number two center. Because yes. now you can look at the Devils and they have Heisher as your one A and Jack Hughes as your one B, or you can just flip them. Because ultimately, I see Jack Hughes falling into that number one center spot where you can sure. take Heisher and put him on. the the second line because he's more of your well-rounded defenseman who will play both ends of the ice, whereas Jack Hughes is going to just be that guy who is that offensive threat. I compared him, not even compared him, but I was thinking more of a Patrick Kane type with him. He's a glider on the ice, and he's a playmaker. This type of player has never been in New Jersey before. It's a Patrick Kane who plays center at this as a, is a very solid comparison. Yeah, the way, especially his speed is his best asset. The way he's able to get into the offensive zone with ease, and the way that he can distribute the puck to his teammates too. If you're watching, whether it's junior highlights or watching him at the World Tournament, even though his minutes were restricted playing on it, I thought he played That's pretty right. well. I think Kako, Kako obviously had the better world championships between the two, but I thought they both played well in that regard. And um, Hughes really has a knack for finding the open man, whether it's a no-look pass, whether it's bringing himself around behind the net and setting up plays for other teammates. He's a real playmaker that's going to help other guys on the team, particularly who I'm thinking of, Taylor Hall and Kyle yeah. Palmieri. Yep, because I can see him starting the season as the number two center just to ease him in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, you figure they'll throw Palmieri on him on his right because him and Hall and Heisher already got that chemistry going. And then here's who I'm intrigued by, Jesper Boquist. Okay. That's the guy who I'm really intrigued by because all the reports out of scouting reports about him is that he's fast and he's got a great shot. But he so he's someone. Way, though. Left wing, which is perfect because he can slide to the left eventually. And then you could put Jesper Bratt, assuming they don't make any moves, which I doubt it. They'll, they'll acquire a top six forward. They have to. 
for I was sure. hoping for that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely sure. definitely a top six right winger would be yes. I have a I, have a target from San Jose that I'll get into later. I have a bunch of guys from Vegas because Vegas is hard pressed, and also from Calgary. I saw Michael Froley, but he's older. He's a little older. It's an interesting name though that came up. Uh, Fred, with our pick, I would like to see who your comparison would be because I like that Patrick Kane comparison to Jack Hughes's game. I want to see if we see Kako as the same type of player. Well, the cop-out answer is going to compare him to another Finnish guy like Barkov or Line. But, um, I mean, it, it, it's a cop-out answer one hand, but it also isn't. Because a lot of the Finns that come out there, they all play in a similar fashion. And John yeah. Davidson made a good point that they know how to play a team game. You know, you watch them win the World Juniors, and then you watch them win the World Championship. You know, it's things like that happening. And you look at, like, Russia, let's say, who always has the most stacked lineup every world championship but never seems to win because they don't know how to play a team game. You know, he looked great against, you know, uh, the team with Ovechkin and Malkin and everybody that's every big name in Russia playing on that team because the Finns know how to play a team game. And I'm really happy to see something like that. And if you look at guys like Barkov or Line. They also play a really good team game. So I would compare it to either of them, and I'm really excited to see how he does mesh was, well and make his linemates better. My, my comparison wasn't too far off, at least country-wise. Like, and eventually in his prime, I would like to see him kind of... I see him in a realm of like a Patrick Hornquist type of player. Mm. Yeah, that's not bad. No, Swedish, yeah, that's uh, both Scandinavian. It's right there. Yeah, right there. next door. They're basically Third, the same. I mean, even the colors are just inverted. Exactly. They got the red beard like me. Maybe somebody descendant of a Viking or something. But <laughs> Yeah, the Church of Kako. That's what we're a part of now. <laughs> praise him, praise be to him. <laughs> that was hilarious. His, his social media post that the Rangers put up of him when he arrived in New York City. I'm sure you guys saw that oh video. Oh, my God. He, he looked like down. he was held at his own will. I, I just want to say I kind of feel bad. Um, just for the point, like the way, and I, I kind of picked it up just from body language. From, from, from the beginning of that video, he took a big exhale. I feel like like a lot of the media presence that the Rangers were putting on him early on was a little overwhelming, and you could kind of see that they slowed it down recently. I still think he's going to be a great player for them. Just go in and just let him play hockey, man. Just all the cameras and all that shit. Like Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes obviously is doing well with it. I think Kako is really uh, oh, getting man. there, getting the. It's a little overbearing, <laughs> obviously, that New York uh, media, but I also feel like with hockey itself, it's a little bit tamer than any other sport. And I think exactly. it's definitely something he's adjusting to because, obviously, I don't think media was like that over in the homeland. But, you know, somebody like uh, who they just draft the Knicks, it's slipping my mind. R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett. Barrett, you know, he walks in there. And the guys ask him, "How are you going to put the team on your shoulders?" <laughs> the guys like, how, "What do you mean, my shoulders? I don't think they're big enough to like work as a team, obviously." But for like, why? How do you even ask me that question? That <laughs> was his response. New York media and I was like, "That guy's ready for New York. He really is." <laughs> With that type of response in your first interview, you're ready for New York. He's shutting them down right away. Whereas I agree with you, he. 
Kaiko definitely looked a little disheveled, and not even just facially. You could tell by his presence, by the way he looked, his appearance, his hair, everything. He looked like, holy shit, I've been through a friggin' roller coaster. Well, you got <laughs> to like he hasn't through. slept in a few days. Yeah. 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 That, that video was self-shot by like from himself. That wasn't a ranger-shot video. And you got to think, and, and it's actually funny when you go into the city as like guys from where we grew up, and New York City has been an hour, two hours away from us, and it hasn't really been that big of a deal. But you take a kid from Finland who's 18 years old, throw him into this city by himself, and he's just going to look at this giant monstrosity of a city from the little tiny town in Finland. Anyone's going to be overwhelmed at that. I do agree that the uh, pressure on him with all the media is definitely high. But as far as that video is concerned, I think he's just looking around at these enormous skyscrapers in the biggest city in the world. And he's just like, wow. Uh, and also in broken English. We have to yes, <laughs> note that, yes. too. He that's learned a, English like two years ago. Wow. I wanted to say, like, you know, you know, it would be you know, it'd be the funniest thing ever about that. If we go back and look back on it a few years from now and he ends up telling us, hey, that's just my sense of humor. I have a real dry sense and I just kind of like to do deadpan. I'd be like looking back, just thinking, man, I can't believe I missed the comedic genius all this time. <laughs> some interesting sarcasm to throw at the city he's going to be playing in. Oh, <laughs> wow. Great city. Got him. <laughs> this is great city. I score a goal. Well, that was great. When Zuccarello first started the team, and uh, back then I used to hang out the stadium and wait for them to come in to get autographs and stuff, and people would ask him questions, and he did not speak English at all. And it's like, oh, Zuc, you going to have a good game tonight? Uh, score, goal, puck. Yes. No, <laughs> <laughs> just walk by. <laughs> and that's I love it. it. Oh, man, that's hilarious. <laughs> but bold predictions here. Who has the better record at the end of the year? We're both rebuilding. Um, I'm not expecting any trophies or anything like that coming this year, but who's going to have the better year? I'll, I'll start. And I, unbiasedly as well. Let's try and look at it unbiasedly. Well, you'll know by my answer that it's unbiased, that my guess would be the Devils. Um, I would be with that as well. Yeah, they're further along with their rebuild. They added some nice pieces. Uh, the Subban thing is interesting to me. It's a good veteran presence, but at the same time, it's just perplexing to me to watch him get traded for Montreal in a very, you know, it seemed like there was some sort of locker room issue. And then gets to the Predators. He's there. He's a great presence. And, yeah, he had some slip-ups in the playoffs, but he was still looking pretty good. And then he gets moved again. And it's cap crunch. Is the locker room? I'm not sure. But when you're rebuilding, they always add a veteran presence like that. A guy that's great in the community, too, is always a good move. Um, if Taylor Hall comes back healthy, obviously that's going to be a big yeah. deal. I think the biggest question mark is going to be the goaltending and your yeah. defensive defenseman. Subban's a great offensive guy, but you've got to have another defensive guy pair, um, paired with him. Ty Smith might be a little early for him, but yeah. you just got to have that guy that can be reliable to kind of cover up Subban's screw-ups yeah. when it comes to the defensive zone. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, out of all the things you mentioned, what I'm looking forward to is where they'll be in the middle of the season because if Taylor Hall doesn't re-sign before then and they're out of the playoff race and he doesn't want to resign going forward are they yeah. going to trade him yeah. because if they trade him they are going to get a big package for him they will get a couple it won't be like one for one with Edmonton like that last trade because that will never ever happen again <laughs> so for me I'm looking for that I, I think New Jersey's rebuild is further along but you saw that they took a step back last season by not making the playoffs so if Taylor Hall like I just said if Taylor Hall 
stays healthy and they add a top six forward and a defenseman who can be not so much a shutdown defenseman, but a defenseman, a defensive defenseman, then they'll be okay. And I'm excited about that. But if Taylor Hall's not going to resign, holy shit, then they're screwed. I, I'm going to say this is part of the bold predictions, I guess, segment on this show. Um, is that Taylor Hall is not resounding there? Uh, he you seems don't like, think so? No, he seems like that's a guy that's super bold. really, yeah, he's re- that's true. He's really full of himself, <laughs> and I'm sorry, you know, I, I appreciate a lot of your a lot of your fan base for their passion, but it's just you're going to tell a guy that can go anywhere, hey, stay in Newark. It's gonna be great, <laughs> and <laughs> well, I, I know I know that most players live city. in the city, and they know <laughs> hey. that like most players, they don't live in Newark and everything like that. No, but not talking about yet. a small market, low attendance, and you're the biggest name. If he has a similar season, if anything, if he's in the top five, ten of scoring next year, he's gonna be touted by the biggest markets. So now, I got a question for the Devils fans here. Like Mike, you brought up in midseason, if they don't have him re-signed a package. Would you, like, looking at the possibilities of whether they re-sign him or they go ship him out for a package, which one would you prefer? I want to keep him. Same. I'd rather I, them sign I him. do. I, I mean, it's one of these things where they always get these really good players. And I'll go back to Parisi. They chose Kovalchuk, or number 17, over Parisi. And that turned out to be a disaster. So in this case, when you've got a guy – and Telehall's a weird guy, too, because I remember I read – one of his quotes two seasons ago when they were talking about resigning probably. And he's a very, um, he's a guy who needs to be comfortable in a location. So my feeling is, since this is what year four that he's been in New Jersey already going on year four, I think he's comfortable enough with the situation. I think his problem is like he said at his, at his uh, end of season press conferences, there was no talent last year. The talent took a back seat. So a lot of it's going to depend on what Shiro does in the next couple of weeks. I think that can dictate his future. But m- my personal feeling is they need to resign him. And it's going to be expensive, but they can afford to do it because they've got the cap space. And his salary wouldn't start until next year. I think it all plays into how, how where the Devils are at the point where it needs to be time to side yep. him or trade him. Uh, the talent... The way that it is, and I believe that's how, I believe Taylor Hall just solely is looking to win a Stanley Cup. I think that's more of the main focus of where where he like depending on where he signs, what he wants to do with his hockey career at this point. Being that he was the first overall pick in Edmonton, was on a losing team for a very long time, came to New Jersey and had that one winning season where he obviously put the team on his back to get put us in a playoff position. So I think at this point is if I think the devil's best chances of resigning him are if Palmieri steps up, if they have Jack Hughes play well, if they can get another top six right winger, preferably if they can surround enough talent around him while being able to pay him the contract that he wants, that's going to be so tricky. He so he doesn't feel like he's in the rebuild itself. He just wants to win. He just wants to yeah. be on a continual Stanley yeah. cup contender. Yeah, I mean, one playoff win in nine years, that's that's remarkable considering the talent that he is. Yeah. So but I, I still think he's going to resign, though. I have That's my feeling, though. Back to oh. Kevin's question, I think that uh, we are unanimous, that we all feel the Devils are going to have a better record this year. I think that's unanimous. I but think barring injury. The, and I think, though, the Rangers yeah, can course. surprise teams. I don't think the Rangers, you know, are going to be as bad last year. I think they'll take, take steps forward. I think they'll be a lot better than most people would think. I think Panarin 
the Panarin decision, which we talked about before the show started, is most likely going to be Florida with Quenville, lower taxes, better yeah. weather. Him and Bob can both sign there. There's way too many factors going towards Florida that would make no sense for the uh, for anybody else to sign him, let alone the Rangers, who don't know what stick he shoots with. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, if he were to sign with the Rangers, he could be a potential game changer. I mean, that adds some serious scoring. We have the rookie Kravtsov coming in, too. We have who has played in a men's league in KHL, who could transition over pretty well. And you got Kako, who's been playing in men's leagues. He can transition over pretty well, be a good second, mm-hmm. third line guy. And then we got a few other guys like Howden. Cool, that, cool Jarvie, too. Yep, he's yeah. Yeah, he's yeah he's okay. I'm not sure if he's going to make the roster, but he's he's looking good, too. But as far as a top nine goes, that'd be great. And you got Truba on defense, which would be awesome. Uh, D'Angelo's coming into his own. There's a lot of depth down there, too. So it, it is definitely um, something that could surprise teams of how good they are. But I'm more of a fan of I don't think the rebuild's there yet. A lot of our guys got to be seasoned. Um, our AHL program was a disaster. For all of our most recent talent, and John Davidson's in finally going to put some money into it. Like we haven't seasoned any of these guys, really. I mean, Kravtsov, like I said, KHL and Kako was uh, in Finland. Uh, I think they're going to need at least a year or two with this rebuild. Panarin makes us possibly a playoff team if we have a few rookies actually live up to the hype. But other than an that, I think it's going to be yeah, an eighth seed at at best. But I mean, I I think we're looking at another top ten pick next year, to be honest. I'd be fine with that as well. But then my next question for you then, Fred, and Devils fans, you could chime in with your opinion on this. Is Lundqvist then a Ranger for life, or do they deal him at some point? You know, that's been really interesting going back and forth on uh, whether or not he's going to stay. I mean, it's if you ask him, he wants to stay. I truly think that he wants to stay because before the rebuild started, they gave him his opportunity, and he said no. So I think he wants to retire a Ranger. I think he wants to stay a Ranger, but it could lead into, and this factors into you guys too, a Berdor situation where Berdor didn't want to take the backseat to anybody, and he's on the St. Louis Blues for some weird reason, which just was weird to see anybody do or anybody for any hockey fan to see Berdor in any jersey other than a devil's jersey yeah that was a weird time yeah exactly and we might be heading to the same place uh but i think lundquist ends up just finishing the career here um i think he's a huge fan of the goalie coach benoit Lair. i don't think he wants to leave him ever so if he has to take a back seat to a goalie which i don't think we're there yet i don't think your gives a guy to do that and um shastorkin who's coming over I don't think that he's going to be ready to be the top guy either. I think we're going to see a couple more years of him, which um, I think he's got three years, three, four years left on his contract. But I, I, he might just end up being in a backup role or splitting time around that time. But, uh, you know, if it comes down to it and they want a starting goalie in Anaheim, let's say, to finally try to make that cup run or San Jose, maybe they take a chance on him and try to hope for a Tim Thomas situation. Does he have a no movement tra- uh, clause in his contract? A hundred percent, yeah. So you yeah. have to approve anything. Yeah, Which, I think for his sake, I think I agree with you. He's going to retire a Ranger, but as a Longquest fan, I hope he doesn't. I want the guy to get himself a Stanley Cup. Doesn't need yep. to be with us because it's not going to happen. That guy, very good goalie. He's got everything else. Um, I won't go out there and say he's better than Brodeur. You're as good as the defense in front of you for any goalie. That's the way I feel about the goaltender position, obviously. Well, coaching, are a position with themselves, but I think uh, you're a product of the environment, too, if you have a stellar defense in front of you. 
You know, like yeah. I would sit there and I would say, Longquist I think is a better goalie than Richter was. That's my opinion, and but Richter had much better defense in front of him. Yeah, I agree with that. Ooh, and the Brodeur situation, yeah, and the Brodeur situation was so weird because he wanted no part of Corey Schneider that year, like mm-hmm. none whatsoever. He was not happy that he was going to be splitting time with Corey Schneider. And Pete DeBoer made a mistake that year, and he played Brodeur more games than he should have. I remember that year, and I agree with that because yeah, that's was, when that Schneider was, was emerging. That's yes. kind of like the same situation. Fred, I don't think we agreed on this, but back when Cam Talbot was coming on, and I mean, now hindsight 2020, I would have been wrong because Cam Talbot is shit. But I felt like back then when he was coming on, that was the Rangers' opportunity to maybe trade Lundqvist and keep Talbot as their franchise guy. I'll tell you right now, because um, we've watched it happen over and over again, remember, Lundqvist was picked 205th in the draft. So we have this goalie coach, Benoit Lair, who is incredible. He's the goalie whisperer. Because now at this point, we've had um, Auntie Ranta come through here and be awesome and then get traded and then be terrible. Talbot came through here, was awesome, traded. Now he's terrible. Now we got Georgiev, also looking great. And I think it has a lot to do with the coaching itself. I mean, there's a guy named uh, Mackenzie Skapsky who played for the Rangers two games. And he he shut out the Sabres twice. He has two games. And two shutouts. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. The second game, he allowed a goal in, like, the last two minutes. So he almost had two shutouts in this league, and he didn't leave the ECHL after that. It, it, it's a lot to do with Benoit Lair. And another point on coaching, Elaine Vigneault managed to waste the prime years of two of the greatest goalies to ever play this game. And that's Luongo on the Canucks and Luckwist for the Rangers. And poor Lou had to uh, retire without a cup. Game 7 lost to Boston in Vancouver. And uh, I blame that a lot on Vigneault because his defensive structure was just terrible. But that's a topic for a different day. Oh, definitely. We could go into AV and talk about trashing the Flyers at some point on an episode since he's with them at this point. Yeah. (laughs) AV, Hayes. But but I could agree with you on the coaching aspect, man, of uh, the goalies other than just the Rangers being here now in the Nashville Predators territory they got a i don't know his name but you know they're developing people uc saros man i saw play three or four different times and the first time i saw him play i didn't even know it wasn't pecorine in goal at first like yeah, it was my makes... first game ever going and like this guy was lights out and i was gonna say i know it's a long shot but if the rangers ever needed to go get a goalie that's who i would want like because that kid's looking promising yeah our, our goalie um pipeline is really strong right now um but back to the coaching with the islanders you know trots brought his goalie coach the one that finally got holpy his head out of his freaking ass every single playoffs to finally close the deal he brought him with him to the islanders and thomas grice and laner were split in time and everyone's looking at that goalie combo like well that's going to be a disaster and both of them completely were lights out they won i forgot the name of the award but they won the award for least goals against as a combo um goalie team and that's again because of the coaching laner was garbage wherever he was grice was garbage for years and then the coach comes in and fixes the whole situation which is why i'm happy that i'm not worried about a goal thing situation that's what i want to turn to the devil fans too over there who's starting for you guys who's going to be the guy you got this one brad you want to start this one first 
Uh, Gold uh, Schneider. As much as as much as I've been bullish on him the past few years, and especially last season, earlier on after coming off, and yes, he was coming off a big injury. Um, I think he had hip surgery. Um, yeah, he had hip surgery. Yes. So coming back last season didn't play that well, and um, kind of turned it on a little bit closer to the end of the year, and had a nice World Championships uh, for Team USA um, last month, but. Um, I would like to see Mackenzie Blackwood start to get more starts going forward. I thought he played pretty well, being the defense that was around him last season and how just piss poor they were just watching over and over again. But I like I like Blackwood's prospects long term, but I think for this upcoming season, I still think Schneider is going to be their main goaltender. I think Schneider deserves to go into the season as the number one, considering how yeah. he strongly he finished last season. Yes, but but was encouraging like when that se- when the season started last year and it was Kincaid and Schneider and not Schneider who was the backup before when he was out who was, it was uh, Eddie, Eddie Eddie Lack Eddie Lack that's right Sweden yep. own oh my god um, I still like that guy I did too that guy was a character <laughs> but it was different though because now it's it's a little more clearer now that Mackenzie Blackwood came onto the scene and played really really well. So it became a, a situation where the goaltending position went from being like drastic, like, holy shit, what the fuck are we going to do? To all of a sudden, you know, it's like, okay, you can have this. It's a two goalie league now for sure. You know, goalies aren't going to play 70 games, 60 something games like they used to in the past. Some will, not all of them. So, so from the devil's point of view, you don't know Schneider's health going into the season again. You don't know if he's going to last. Unfortunately, and I love Schneider. I'm a Schneider fan. But the fact that Blackwood came on strong, played really, really, really well in in the games he's played, I expect him to take another step forward. I think midseason, he's going to take over the number one spot. That's my feeling. Okay. That would be nice to see. Uh, we'll it see, would we'll be. See, see how that pans out. But um, I really like the way he played last season. I have some high hopes for him. And to have him as the number two guy going into the season helps me feel better about the Devils' overall projection going on into next season. Yeah. Although as, as much as I would love a guy like Bobrovsky, man, and I've been pounding, pounding my hand on the table over and over, like, we got to get Bob Rob, man. This guy will make us a Stanley Cup contender. Um, Schneider has a no-move clause in his contract, yeah. so any any thoughts of trying to bring in a big-name goaltender really aren't going to happen at this point. So I'm hoping for good things for Schneider this season. So um, I'm I'm a little torn on where I feel Devils projection-wise regarding if they make the playoffs or not. Uh, I would like to see them make it as a 6-8 to eight seed, um, but I'm not going to bank on that. I'm really not totally sure. It all depends on how Hall is coming back from his knee surgery, if he's going to be ready to go to start the season, and how other guys like Jesper Bratt and Kyle Palmieri, Heischer, who I feel like is going to come on really strong again next season. It depends yeah. how everything else kind of plays out. The nice thing about Blackwood coming on strong too is, like you said, you wanted Bobrovsky to sign. Uh, it helps now that they don't have to allocate 10 to 11 mil a year on a goalie. Sure. Whereas now you've got the guy in the farm system who's moved his way up to the big leagues and is playing really well. So that money now doesn't have to go, go to spending on a goaltender. You can allocate it to a different position now because the Devils don't spend in free agency. That's the one thing they've never done. They've no. never spent any money in free agency because no one wants their money apparently. But, no, yeah, no one wants to come to New Jersey. It's like, what the hell, man? But that's why all the moves are due through trades. But snooky in the situation ruined it for everybody. GTL, man. GTL fucked everything up. 
But uh, no, like like so it helps going forward now that at least the goalie position's in better shape now than it was maybe two seasons ago. Because I I was never sold on Keith Kincaid. I I hated Kincaid. He just got under my skin. That guy. So the fact that he's gone and, and Blackwood came in and had played really well is really, really big going forward. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Kincaid had a nice run of that season, bringing us to the playoffs and kind of returned back to earth the next season, unfortunately. I was hoping that he could kind of keep that uh, level of play going, but once you kind of saw early on in the season, giving up four to five goal games, you kind oh, of yeah. start to think to yourself, okay, you know, maybe he's just kind of had a nice run and that's kind of it. We're going to have to find a contingency plan at this point. Yeah, basically it came through that he's not a number one goalie. Not at all. And plus two in his defense, I will give him some. Um, the defense was not very good. Like, they were really bad it's, to him. It's, a, it's, it's an understatement. The defense was horrendous. Yeah, they were, they were awful. Awful to watch. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for good things for him in his future. I know he's uh, – I don't know if he's the second or third string guy in Columbus right now, but it's nice to st- see him still in the league. I still have a lot of respect for him as a person. Just didn't work out here. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of like where we are going forward with that position. Uh, we'll see what happens with Blackwood. I'm hoping for your projection he becomes the yeah, starter. That would be, be really nice. So we'll I'm see sold. What I'm sold on, on him. So all in all – Last year was a hell of a year. A lot of firsts, obviously, with, even with the ending with the Blues. And a lot of upside coming this year for both of our teams. So it's safe to say uh, I think the rivalry is renewed. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I, think it's, I think the hate is always there, my man. Plus, oh, the, Devils, the Devils, did you guys see the Devils social media team on Twitter? Troll uh, the Rangers? Here we Trash, go. Yeah. Here that we go. Was, yeah, I mean, it's, that was it's, it's not, it's fire. Not, it I didn't want to bring a... this up. Jeez. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> I was, saying. I was going to say it doesn't take a high IQ to come up with Crapo Caco. No, it not really that. Doesn't. No, I'm, I'm just saying, that. though, to come up with that name, Crapo Caco, not a high IQ. Are you talking about the mascot <laughs> one? Or, no. No, it, no, no. You're talking about oh, wait, the one with uh, the rock. It doesn't yes. matter what it your pick matter. is, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. You know I, I find interesting that the one thing, my biggest, I guess, pet peeve with the Devils fan base is that you guys got a lot of fans that are 100% more Ranger haters than they are Devil fans. Like, if, <laughs> That's if actually they're... probably the truest statement someone will ever make. I, I actually <laughs> agree with that statement. I, I, I was talking to my girlfriend the other day about it, and I said, Devil fa- a lot of Devil fans are like this. If they had an opportunity to either shake a Devil player's hand or punch a Rangers player in the face. About 90% of them are going to punch <laughs> that Rangers player in the face before the question is out of the person's mouth. Yeah, you're Every right. time. And it, it's that that's what frustrates the hell of me. So when I see stuff by a social media team of doing stuff like that, I'm like, uh, like when I saw the mascot <laughs> one, I'm like, okay, we're at least they're doing it to everybody. And they had to make like a fake mascot for us because we don't have one. So good try. Oh, yeah. That's, that's all that <laughs> like the rock one was funny. But at the same time, it's like just reminds me of like ugh, the amount of beers I've had poured on my head. For having the audacity to clap for a goal, you know, it's just like uh, that. That's my biggest pet peeve on that is like, let's just take the focus off of there. You chant that we suck every fucking game. Like, can we just 
just move on from this, please? I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but we've also no, no. now added we've also added know. the flyers into it now, though. And the flyers, and then so, the we got Crosby them into Swa- it. Or, wait, doesn't Crosby watch Rangers? No, suck, it's Rangers flyers, suck, swallow. flyers swallow. Crosby watches. Crosby watches. Yep, that's a that's that's a great. Well, I mean, everyone friendly environment. I was to say adding that flyers swallow wasn't really. Uh, too keen on the high IQ list either when the Rangers fans ever whenever they heard that it was always Marty Swallow so it's right there with the rhyming that we came up with I mean hey, it's just that's just hockey fans in a nutshell they just love oh, shitting, shitting, shitting on the rival teams you know you're always oh, when, when, it, when it comes to talking like crap Caco and all that that's always the lowest common denominator of any fan base especially the Devils and the Rangers fan base um, the, the social media stuff in my eyes is just really for, to get the Devils fans excited about next season, trying to fill those seats, get the t- get everybody excited about the team again. But um, I I don't know, man. I just I love the rivalry. I would love if the Rangers Instagram account posted like a video oh, trashing it, the Devils. It's gonna, it is going to happen. I Game hope one so. when we beat you with Stone Cold Steve Austin, just whooped your ass. Is going to come up on there. Oh my god. <laughs> the uh, the dark horse, maybe the best part of this rivalry is going to be Rykov, the guy who traded us for Grabner. Who worked out so well for you? So I hope oh. Rykov wins a Norris Trophy because that would be hysterical. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, like the one bad move Ray Shiro makes. That I know fucking Grabner trade. Terrible. That was oh, Rykov's looking great in development camp, guys. So we really do appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I just I just remember watching Grabner go up and down the ice without the puck and. I just remember anytime he got the puck, I'd just be sitting at the TV like, shoot it, shoot it, you fuck, fucking shoot yeah. it. We, we, we were there it. as well. We were there as well. You know why? You know why? Because all I had on my mind was that second round pick that we gave away to the Rangers I firm. I know. Because I'm like, you better be fucking scoring goals, man. <laughs> we're giving away that draft capital to our arch rivals. I think he only right. scored like two or three goals for us. Yeah, I remember the Vegas game. And he got game. scratched the in the playoffs. Yeah, he got scratched. He didn't even play in the playoffs. They scratched well, him. Don't worry, he's going to slide right into your top six this year. You guys are going to be good to go. He's, he's still on the team, right? Right? Uh, oh, oh, wait, was that a rental? Oh, it was a rental. Yeah, oh, he's in uh, Arizona now. Oh, man. Where all the Rangers players yeah, go to die. Yeah. <laughs> Sinclair, or Sinclair, whatever his name was. Anthony Duclair, Stefan, all of them. Oh, see, now Duclair, I, I thought, out. was going to turn into something, but... All right, I'm going to have two names by next Arizona. week, then, because i got to find out what that second-round pick turned into, because I'm going to have two names of, that I hope are, make all-star teams. <laughs> 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 hope Grabner's three goals were worth it. <laughs> oh, my God. Rykov's yeah. holding the Norris. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I think that's the right note to end this on. Yeah. I think that's the right note to end this on, right? Well, I'm signing <laughs> off with that every time on this podcast, Rykov for Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I'll, I'll sign off with Let's Go Rangers and Go Preds, whatever. And uh, thank you all for checking out our first episode of uh, Hey Cake Eater. Follow us at Hey Keeker. Hey Cake Eater. Hey Cake Eater on all social media. And we'll see you next time. One second. <laughs>